Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to another Rahalastapa Rahalastapa with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, the brilliant Bridget Christie. Do buy a book; it's fantastic. You'll hear a lot about that in this podcast. So we are doing a Kickstarter campaign to video series eight of Rahalastapa Rahalastapa, which is going to start filming on. Well, we're going to start recording at least on the twenty seventh of September. You can come along and see these shows at the Leicester Square Theatre. They're at four pm on Sundays for ten weeks, from the twenty seventh of September to the 29th of November. Go to the Leicester Square Theatre website to buy those you might want to buy for the first two weeks in november that's just a little hint for you i've not revealed any of the any of the guests yet but the first and the eighth of november i think they're looking quite good those two at the moment uh if you want to help us film the shows and you listen to them and then we will carry on doing them for free uh, as audio so this may not concern you we're doing a kickstarter kickstarter campaign as i record this we're about halfway there with 
over just over a week to go. By the time you listen to this, there'll be about a week to go. I think we'll need to raise about £20,000 in the last week. That is my guess, which will be tricky. But 150,000 of you listen to this. There will be 100 episodes of this podcast by the time we get to the end of the eight series. If you've never donated anything and you think those podcasts were worth 10p each, could you give us £10? If they were 20p each, could you give us £20? Uh, you don't have to give anything. I really want to keep it free, especially for people who can't afford to um, pay for it. If you can afford to give a little bit, if you feel slightly guilty that you've listened to so much fine entertainment for so little money, then go to kickstarter.com, search for RHLSTP and make a donation. There's some actual cool rewards there. You can get photocopier of the of my latest uh, Lannister notebook with all my emergency questions and see the questions I didn't ask. You can get a DVD of me interviewing myself plus backstage interviews from Series 7 that you don't see unless you're a bad subscriber. That, uh, there's over an hour of extra interviews there with all of the guests from Series 7. There's mugs, there's t-shirts, you can get your name read out in the show, you can actually get to ask an emergency question, or you can sponsor an entire show and get like this little section of the podcast uh, for me to advertise you, your company, your podcast, whatever you want to do. Preferably tiny little businesses is our preference rather than big multicultural conglomerates, can't think of the words, multinational conglomerates. But if you are from uh, a multi one of those things that I can't say, then because I'm so I'm so down with the kids, I don't even know what you are. Then you get in touch with me and see. You could sponsor the whole series if you wanted. I mean, it's only fifty thousand pounds to make um, twenty episodes. I think that's probably quite cheap in terms of advertising for you. But um, anyway, we'd prefer to do it with you all giving a little bit. So go to Kickstarter.com, search for RHLSTP, and if you want to, and you can help us make an eighth series of this podcast in video format. I think you'll agree season seven has been pretty strong and there are some really great ones still to come. Uh, Limmy's coming up and I know you're all very excited about that, but that is, won't be out for a few weeks now, maybe towards the end of September. Uh, and also uh, remember I am at the Leicester Square Theatre doing my 12 shows of Richard Herring. There are only four to go. I'm doing what is love anyway on Friday and the 4th of September and we're all going to die on Saturday, the 5th of September uh, Lord of the Dance at Tea on 11.9, as I like to call it. And Happy Now, my new show on the 12th of September. That one is the only one that's very close to selling out. If you want to come to that book ahead, I'd love to see more of you. Thanks to everyone who's come to see them. It's been a really fantastic, fun and interesting and terrifying run. If you want a chance to to see those, do come along to the Leicester Square Theatre. Check out LeicesterSquareTheatre.com. That was also good for the tickets for Rahalastapa, Rahalastapa. And if you want to hear the audios of the first 10 of those shows go to gofasterstripe.com where you can buy 15 hours of comedy for about 12 quid, which isn't too bad. Anyway, I know you skipped through this by now. It will really have annoyed some of you. Here is Bridget Christie and Rahul Lester Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who turned 48 yesterday and drank more than a 48-year-old man should, as you will discover when you see him trying to speak. It's Richard Herring! Oh, yeah! I'm still young. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. This is Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. But some recently I've noticed some kids uh, on the street like 
some kids skateboarding out on the street. So when they're listening to it, they're like, oh, they start calling her a which I love. A lot of people have picked that up from the kids. That's what the kids on the street are calling it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's my birthday yesterday. Uh, I turned 48 years old, which I, I was sort of thinking, uh, you know, I've been 12 four times, which I thought that's, that's all right. Then my brother said, you've been 16 three times. And I found that really depressing for some reason. <laughs> I'm now entering my fourth go at being 16. That's about as far as I've ever managed to get up to 16. It's 48, it's, it's sort of depressingly old. Uh, so uh, I've got nothing more to say uh, than that, except I wish I was 40 again. I did a show called Oh, oh Fuck, I'm 40, which you can see if you come along to the Leicester Square Theatre at some point in uh, August. Uh, but uh, 48, fucking hell. There's no, there's no way back. That's the, that's the terrible thing, whatever... Matthew Perry tells you in that film. <laughs> Quite an obscure reference. Well done. So, uh, and I've been in Amsterdam uh, all week with my family. It's been lovely to go away with my family, my daughter and my wife. Uh, though uh, we were, we didn't go to the red light district. I've never been to the red light district. We went to the Van Gogh Museum. Uh, Van Gogh, of course, he, uh, he was, uh, he, he thought the best way to get a woman to, he, he fancied to fancy him back, his idea was to cut off one of his ears and send that to her in the post. Now, most women will prefer flowers or chocolates or a homemade spice rack, but for one in a thousand women, the surprise severed ear arriving by mail is the key to their knickers. They're going to open that up, go, I can't believe it, I've always wanted one of those. I'm definitely going to shag whoever sent me this. He shouldn't be difficult to find. Do be careful, though, fellas. It's really a technique you can only use twice, so do use it sparingly. <laughs> to be honest, you're going to use it once, because the second time you do it, the woman's going to go, you've done this before, haven't you? This is, this is your regular chat-up line. Not falling for that like that other ear slag. So uh, that's one of the jokes I did in Amsterdam. That's, from, that's an old uh, joke of mine. I was staying in, we were staying in a flat. It was a beautiful flat, but I was, this was the first time I've been away with my tiny daughter. And the staircases in Amsterdam are ridiculous. I mean, I think, you know, Anne Frank stayed hidden for so long just because the Nazis thought, well, that's not going up those stairs. <laughs> I genuinely do think that is true. The stairs, the stairs of this, I would try to get my suitcase up these stairs and I got, it was, there were 70 steps and they were like that. It was basically a ladder just with the bits filled in. And I got, and then it curves at the top and I got, and I, I hurt my back already and I got to about step 58, it started to curve. And then I realised I couldn't lift my suitcase and I was sort of just lying on the stairs, thinking I'm going to die or I'm going to drop my suitcase and kill my wife. It was nice. But on the last day, it was the day before my birthday, as I walked to the gig, uh, this massive procession of uh, people in horse-drawn carriages from all the ages, dressed in old costume, old-style costumes, went by. And I don't know what, why they were doing it. There were hun- like, literally like at least 100 horse-drawn carriages. And I like to think it was for me in celebration. <laughs> Celebration of my birthday. So don't tell me if it wasn't. If it was some, probably if it's Amsterdam, some racist thing. There's probably at the end, there's a men blacked up. Going, oh. No, it's not racist. It's the Dutch tradition. They've generally got something. It's called Black David or Black Peter or something. Black Peter. Not as good as Blue Peter. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, my first guest this week, and only guest, of course, this week, because it is this week. I hope I'm not still hungover next week. That's how much I drank. Uh, She is probably best known. You'll have seen her, and this is why you are here, because she was on the new, all new Celebrity Squares. That is what we, that's what we, we're most interested in talking to you about. Will you please welcome Bridget Christie, ladies and gentlemen. Bridget! (laughs) 
Bridget Christie. Please sit down. Hello. I completely forgot I did that. I forgot I did that. You forgot you did it. I forgot I did it. Oh, I didn't see you. I did see one I of them. I haven't seen it. I saw one of them the other day. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a good, fun, postmodern nonsense. Was it postmodern? Well, because it's kind of like... Cause they, you're too young I to remember. I don't think they're trying to be. I know, well, they are, but they are, oh, can right. be accidentally postmodern. <laughs> I remember original <laughs> Celebrity Squares from the 70s when you would, you'd be too young to remember that. I shouldn't and, think so. And uh, it was, you know, that was all the old celebrities, Roy, Rod, Hull and Emu. And all. they had jumpers on and stuff, didn't yeah. they? No, and I do so remember that. Now to see it with people like Sarah Pascoe, is, I think it's quite amusing, <laughs> them pretending to read out the answers. Well, you were on it. Do you not remember anything about it? Uh, <laughs> I remember getting there yeah. and uh, leaving and right. having a laugh with um, <laughs> Stuart Francis oh, yes. and Reese Shearsmith. Actually, it was quite funny because um, Warren, is that the host? Warwick. Warwick, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he actually he lives in a Warren. That is why you, that's why you've got confused. And then he said, what is the worst heckle... <laughs> what, what, you know, someone shouts out, oh, you know, you're shit, you know, what do you say? I was like, I was sat really high up, like, as I was, I was up on all this scaffolding yeah. next to Andy Peters. It was just, it wasn't really a conversation I, as I said, well, it depends what they say, and then I'll think about what they say, and then, I don't know, it's just always different. I don't think that was the answer. I think he was expecting me to say, you know, something like, oh, be quiet, mum, or something like that. But, I, yeah, so I can't remember. Actually, I can remember quite a lot about it. Remember, now that <laughs> remember every second. No. Well, we're not really here to perhaps hit. I'd like to talk about Celebrity Squares a bit more, but we'll talk about some other stuff. I've been reading your book... A book for her, I Am A Man, but I still read it. It's not a joke about men, that, the title. It's about gendered products. Okay. (sighs) I've read it on my copy. I just wrote ring after the her, and I'm allowed to read it. It's a a slow burn for people who can spell. (laughs) So, um... (laughs) Michael McIntyre was the first person of the industry to say say to me... Do you know your name could be Dick Herring? Uh, I never. S- don't you, he didn't achieve such success as he did with the Mandraw material as he did with that one. <laughs> but it made me like because I thought I'd heard every joke about my own name and thought of every rude joke about my own name. Oh, but I'd never. Did thought you feel that. disappointed or? I felt excited. Oh. <laughs> felt excited and aroused. Uh, but it's a it's uh, it's a really brilliant book. Thank you. Uh, really good, and it's um, but it sort of gives false hope to all comedians out there <clears throat> because it takes you from you know it takes us through your journey as a comedian in sort of ten years of working very hard. Twelve. Why does it give them well, false I'd, I'd hope? Say t- I'd say ten works working right. hard. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> actually, no, probably about three. <laughs> <laughs> because it show it show it makes you think that it's possible to become a very successful award-winning comedian after all that work because you've done it. So it gives false hope to all the other comedians who'll do that and then won't become award-winning successful comedians. What? My book gives them the correct idea of what I worked for 25 years and pretty much nothing happened and then I just then I just said, oh, I'll just make do my own show and film it and pretend it's on but TV. That, but you, you... 
that is an accurate representation of what a comedian's <laughs> journey is. But yours, it's takes not. You a, through. There isn't a route, though, is there? There no. isn't a thing that you can do that will make you. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself. Uh, I mean, this didn't sell out, did it? So, <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, it's not. <laughs> it's how you, you know, what do you want to do? I mean, it, like, it wasn't a deliberate th- thing. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was necessarily ambitious or wanted no. to be. No, I don't think you were. But, but, but that's different. I think, from... But then I think that's. But that's sort of. In all seriousness, it's a really exciting. I think as a comedian, it's a really exciting book to read because you have. You st- and I've, I'm not, but I've followed your career anyway pretty much nearly from yeah. the... I've seen most of your uh, Edinburgh shows. I don't think I saw the first one or two. The cheese roll. But, and I don't think... I'm not sure if I saw the cheese roll. I don't think... I think I would remember if I had seen the cheese roll. I think the Charles... Not the, many people saw no. it, actually. <laughs> I think the Charles II one was the first one I saw, but I have a, I have a feeling of remembering something about cheese roll, so maybe I saw that as well. But, uh, but, you know, you've really stuck to doing what you want to do, and a lot of it's crazy, but it was always kind of enjoyable, but it wasn't... You certainly weren't <coughs> marketing yourself towards... Winning the the big big comedy award in Edinburgh at any point, I don't think. What by talking or... about? Domestic... No, I mean, uh, no, not in any way so you, whatsoever. You've done always what you wanted to do. Yeah. However unusual that might be. Well, I didn't think it was unusual. No, I mean, I've written about things that is interesting to me. At, and yeah. so, in two thousand and five, cheese rolls were really interesting. <laughs> So I wrote about... Yeah. <laughs> actually, it wasn't about the cheese rolls that you it's, eat. It was no. about the pagan ritual yeah, that, in Glo- in, that happens in Gloucester. So someone went, <laughs> <laughs> Probably a, a vegan. Oh, bloody cheese-loving idiot. Um, don't eat any of the cheese, so it's fine. I think in that's fact... Like, you just uh, roll the cheese, so you don't... Well, I suppose whoever wins it You roll it. the cheese, but the people for the ethical treatment of animals tried to ban it. That isn't true, is it? I it just got is to, I just true. I just got to that bit in the book. That can't be true. It is true. Because it was not ethical that it was a, a pro- the product of an animal. They wanted a soya-based cheese. <laughs> I'm, I'm not... But actually, not joking, but it was shut down by Health and Safety and the Council, but... Gloucester people are not going to be stopped by the council by rolling cheese. Well, it's sort or of down a cliff, isn't it? I mean, it's a very steep hill. But it's they roll got the a gradient down. of one in one, which is yeah. like a cliff. It's like a. Um, it's it like is an the funniest thing you've staircase. ever seen in your life. <laughs> and so people chase the cheese, and whoever beats the cheese is it to beat the cheese or catch the you cheese? You can't beat the cheese, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> You, One day so there will be someone You who honestly can. think that a human being yeah. can beat a hurling seven-pound <laughs> Because I know That'll about be gravity. Ma- what if they're in a light aircraft or something? <laughs> Objects fall at the same pace, whatever size or mass they are. So, Ask uh, David Frew, he'll tell you. Yeah, but Only in a vacuum, you're right. Is yeah. it a vacuum? <laughs> which... which it's not. I think mean, technically Gloucester counts as a vacuum. <laughs> I say this as coming from another West Country town where cheese is quite important. I think we're, we're, I'm allowed to mock Gloucester and Gloucester cheese. Who do you cheese think because, wins the cheese, uh, me or you? Well, I mean, cheddar cheese is the best cheese in the world. Yeah, but what do you do with it? Um, we sometimes keep it in a cave. That's... <laughs> People come and look at it. It's in the not game. as good as. It's not as exciting, and we have hills. I mean, that's we never thought to throw. We've got the I Cheddar think... Gorge. We could have thrown cheese off the Cheddar Gorge. I think we're better than. Yeah. You. Well, I'm amazed yeah. no one in Cheddar thought of that, and then saying, "Why don't some people chase after? Throw that off the lion's head." <laughs> 
that doesn't really look like a lion's head in Cheddar Gorge. And then jump after Whoever can jump after it and catch Gets. it. And they haven't updated the prize either. So it's like, um, like for thousands of years or yeah. whatever. So now you, get, you still get someone's wife or cow. Or, you don't really. It's three pounds, I think. <laughs> Yeah, the, it is amazing, though. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely... I can't believe the show didn't win the It is one of the, the best Perry things I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Not like in a cruel way, but it is funny seeing people hurl through the air. Is there a People for the Ethical Treatment of People organisation? Because surely they should be getting... It's not so much the cheese, it's the people who are... Do well, people really the, get badly injured doing Yeah, really yeah. badly. I mean... Do people die Only doing? once. But, but you they know. still carried on after that. That's <laughs> yeah, it was only once. He won, but uh, they buried him with his cheese. Oh, that's not a very nice thing to say. Um, yeah, no, he did did his neck in, I think. But it's normally just broken limbs and stuff. Yeah, as people get really rat ass before they do it. Yeah, and there's separate races as well for, you know. I hope it's for men and women and not. <laughs> they're separate races for separate races. I think it's a kind of Gloucester. <laughs> Yeah, there's like Gloucester people and then there's everyone else. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I do, you should really go and see it. Yeah. Yeah. People, people come from all over the world, actually. Peter also, and I went to the protest once, pre- protests against the Pamplona running of the bulls, which makes more sense. <gasps> yeah. Because uh, it's horrific. But it's like they seem to not like it any event where people can really badly hurt themselves trying to have fun. That Who, seems um, to be the linking thing. Did you, have you watched all the videos of the. The re- actual Pamplona. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I, I generally, having got, as I went to the protest, which was running naked through the. I did it. I didn't care. I did it for a show. I. Uh, I was. I'm, I'm not that. Bothered. I think you probably do it anyway. Do not <laughs> well, do we it? weren't allowed to run naked in the end. They don't oh. mind. Yeah, they, we had to wear pants. Uh, and uh, it was when I was doing 12 Tasks of Hercules Terror is available we will be doing that here in August too late for people at home uh, but uh, oh, yeah, so but I was go- instead of doing a, like a bull based thing I was going to run with the bulls in fact uh, my friend Stuart Lee suggested I run with the bulls which made me think that maybe he didn't like me that much after all uh, sorry and- can I just st- did you not bring my, my book should I have brought my book you should have brought your book I've only got it on a Kindle because oh. you said you'd send me a copy and then you didn't send me one so I had to buy <laughs> I had to buy it myself on Kindle. I can't just bring a Kindle here, come on, and go. That is, that's what one of the pages. They know anyway, don't they? They do. Yeah. Or you can. This is also talking. You can buy this book, which is also. (laughs) It's a it's a feminist exploration of the human penis. Oh, I'll have to look out for that. There's actually loads. There's loads of good stuff in there. You'll enjoy about about uh, how early gods were all female based. Oh! Oh. Someone's got. Hey, thanks for buying it. Oh, is you, are you the vegan? So, no, the... Oh, there it is. Oh, I feel really bad now. I'll give it back. Keep it. I'll Keep re- it. Sell, sell it. it. Sell it. Sell it. <laughs> sell it to someone else. No, well, all right. Oh, what if he's written in it? Oh, this bit's shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, look, there's loads of yawns in that bit. No, no, no. Doesn't look like he's read it yet. He's going to get... No, it looks nice and ready. What is the... <laughs> ask a question. What happens what at the is, end? <laughs> well, you no, know, it's a, it's. A, <laughs> there's lots of things in the book that make me, and they make. They, I haven't got to the end yet. I'm That's all right. Sixty-five percent of the way through because I'm reading on a Kindle rather than book. Uh, so, 
there's lots of things that beg more questions that you may answer later in the in the book. But for example, you were sacked from being a milkmaid. Is that true? That's just that's a, th- a throwaway comment in the book. That is a book. Is that have you saved that for well, another book? Well, I, I, um, I, okay. Uh, is when, it a lie? No. Well, no. I, I left. Right. Right. Okay. It was kind of a mutual agreement. <laughs> what happened was when I was I left school really young and lied about my age and got a job in a for the local newspaper. Yeah. But the editor was a real twat. <laughs> So I left and I thought, I think I'd, I'd like to work with animals and stuff. So I got a job on a farm. And part of my job there was milking the cows. So I wasn't like a maid. Yeah. You didn't have like the thing over your shoulders. And the, the, yeah, and the, the I, mean, I mean, I did do that to my hair. <laughs> but, uh, no, and um, it was really traumatic. And I, I've never been so stressed in my entire life. Why was it traumatic? What, well, okay, so for example, <laughs> my tasks uh, for the first hour was to... So it started at six o'clock. Yeah. First job was to get a newborn calf out of a pen right. and into a cage on the back of a tractor. I don't know if you've ever tried to handle a newly born calf. <laughs> no. No. Well, I've, I've never, never tried to put it in a cage. Well, I've never even seen one before. Right. Anyway, because they're really slippery and yeah. everything. I think I was sort of by about twelve o'clock. I was just sort of crying, in a and I noticed that the Richard, the farmer, and his wife were just doubled over laughing at me <laughs> through their kitchen window. I think they had the kitchen built in a certain way so that they could see all the new young people who thought that there was more to life than working in an office and just watch them all day. I fed... Um, so I didn't get the calf in, and the no. calf was really traumatised as well. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know how to open the cage. <laughs> <laughs> even if I did... had managed to get a handle... Did they just say, go out and do that? They didn't say, we'll show you how to do he that. He didn't tell me, That's you nasty. know, get the back bit or the head, or I don't know. Um... <laughs> Uh, Wipe it down with the towel first to get rid of it. So the... that it wasn't a slippery. Yeah. yeah, no, nothing. Just get that in there. See ya. <laughs> I'm off for my bacon. Oh. Um, then I fed the other cows gravel. Because they said, there's their feed if you feed them. But there was loads of <laughs> sacks of different stuff all in a row. <laughs> and it looks the same. It, you know, you're laughing, but it really wasn't funny. <laughs> and then he said, um, oh, this was all in... So it was shift work, right? Because you've got to get up with the cattle and you have to work around them, basically. So I started at six, then worked until, like, 12 or one or something, and then I had to come back at six to get them in from the... <laughs> walk them home from the fields and that. And, um, oh, yeah, he said... So I've got... Very, I'm scared of heights as well. So then after I didn't get the calf in and fed the, the, the adult... You can edit this, can't you? <laughs> uh, uh, gravel. Then he said, oh, see that those hay bales up there? If you could just get them down. <laughs> get them down. Get those... And I was really small when I was 15. Like, I was quite slight and small. Yeah. And um, so I had to climb up this ladder and get these hay bales that were really huge and heavy and had like string around them that really cut into your 
hands and get them, get them down. I didn't get any of them down. Because I was just sort of up there crying. I'm scared of heights. It was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Then one of the cows, because they, in the, well, in the olden days, well, it was still kind of mechanic, but you, had to, you have to clean their udders first with your hand. And then you put the, like, the pumps on them. And apparently cows know if you're new. (laughs) And um, so I was cleaning it, going, oh, God. (laughs) I think I'll just go back to typing. (laughs) Anyway, and then you, you stand in like a... It's like a sort of a swimming pool with no water on it, so you're level with their feet. Right. And so, because they knew, because the, they knew that I hadn't done it before, they just sort of, you know, pissed and shat all over me. <laughs> and then Richard, like the farmer, he was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll hose you, you know, I'll ho- hose you down." <laughs> it sounds funny now, right? But. <laughs> So I had to stand there in this, like, courtyard in my overalls. <laughs> and, um, you know, it sort of gets everywhere, really. So I'd failed to do any of the things. Yeah. And I was covered in shit and piss. <laughs> and a farmer, who I had only just met, was hosing me down. And it was, like, cold water as well. And then, because I used to ride <laughs> my motorbike there. And then um, I said, all right, see you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> And on my way home, my bike, my tyre blew out on my motorbike. And I managed to keep it. I didn't have a really bad smash. And it was out in the, if you think, like rural Gloucester in the sort of mid-80s was, well, it was quite an interesting place. Anyway, I had to knock on this, (laughs) I I knocked on this farmhouse to see if I could borrow their, use their phone. Yeah. (laughs) It was literally like... Royston Basie. I mean, it was... It was... I was like, oh, can I... I've had an accident. Can I use your phone? Phone? <laughs> well, I haven't got a phone, but you can come in. I've forgotten about all of that. Were you still covered in cow piss and shit at this no, point? No, but no. M- my dad said that it was not pleasant to live with me for those two days because I was really... That wasn't worth putting in the book, all that? No, of course no. not. Look at the silence. It's, it's amazing. <clears throat> it's not part of the. It's not moving anything forward, is it? That story. I think. It, I think it's very. It tells us a lot about you. Uh, and uh, there's lots of things uh, you. Oh, the thing that I think about. I interviewed Russell Brand. Did you? Yeah, and on yeah. this show. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, and then just when you were talking just then, it reminded me. He, re- you really look like Russell Brand. I know. There's something like really. I he know. looked at me, and I went ah, and I thought it's. And I thought, oh no. It's These pre- are the people who, uh, right? Uh, um, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, <laughs> Russell Brand. <clears throat> um, what's that woman who used to sing in those musicals? <laughs> Might have to narrow it down a bit. She was. I think she. Yeah. Oh, Sarah Brightman. Um, yeah, Sarah Brightman. Who else? Um, lots of people, yeah, actually. Yeah, you could do, you know, you could do, like, characters of, like, a sort of... Both of sele- men, I've done a that A Bose Elector programme yeah. where you do... You could do a female Bose Elector. Ho Selector, it could be called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, could do that, yeah. <laughs> Just, 
Or I couldn't do that, yeah. <laughs> you once tried to buy a cave? Well, it, it, I was shut down quite early on. There was a cave for sale in Hereford. Right. But it didn't have any uh, service, you know, electricity or water None. or... Due to it being a cave. Yeah, but you could put some in, presumably. <laughs> but it was amazing, and I did want to buy it. it was about, I think it was, it was about 35,000... No, £40,000 £40, or something. That sounds all right. Yeah, it did, I didn't, you know... It's not practical, really, with children. <laughs> I mean, I know it was once, but uh, they didn't have any choice. Are you planning choice. to use that as your main, <laughs> your main habitation? Just, I mean, it's nice to own a cave you could go and look at. Probably but... have it as like a <laughs> weekend retreat. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, all those Londoners <laughs> coming down, ruining our cave uh, community. And <clears> you, <throat> were, you were mugged? Yeah, I was mugged, yeah. God, you picked really weird things well, to talk about. They're all, they're all things that you don't elaborate on. I you don't say... talk about my personal life very yeah, much. Okay. Really, I'm not, I don't it. think that it's very interesting, but it is very interesting. I think though, these are the interesting things that you just kind of skate over and say, "Oh, oh Saxon Milk Maid." Oh, oh yeah, well, it's not every, everyone gets mugged, don't they? Well, <laughs> um, I had five pounds in my pocket, yeah, and uh, it, well, it was in Brixton, and I was really poor at the time, so I didn't want to give him my five pounds, but I wish I had because he knocked my. F- front teeth out oh, right, yeah. and they ended up costing a lot more than five pounds to sort out but it didn't really bother me in fact I ran into my local pub it was five o'clock in the afternoon like no one stopped I was like I'm obviously not with this man it's not a you know anyway it's weird how people won't get involved or yeah. everything he hit him <laughs> do you know he hit me so hard it's hilarious I spun <laughs> round yes did like a pirouette yeah um, but my I didn't know what a nerve looked like. Does anyone know what a nerve looks like? Anyway, and I went into this pub and I went, oh, what are those little dots? Ah! A, a nerve is like a tiny little line with a sort of a dot on the end. Right. So they were... Oh, dear. ...having a look around. <laughs> Wish I'd asked you that now. I feel it. I'm, a bit, I'm a bit shaky from the hangover as it is. I've got, I had to hold on to the chair there. <laughs> For a second, that's, that's I should thing. actually. This is interesting. Is that since I've had children, I, I've always found it really hard to walk away from trouble. Like I'll face it. Yeah. Like when I was in New York once, I was on the subway and there was a proper gang, like hooded, kind of really on a lot of stuff, and the train was packed, and um, one of them like spat on me. And um, <laughs> I went, oh, 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 I think that's yours. And, I put it. <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time said to me, if you ever do anything like that again, because they would have killed me first. I was like, why would they have killed you first? Anyway, I didn't think about it, right? And then the train got stuck in a tunnel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So there was a moment, right, where he looked at me and I looked at him. And the whole lot of them looked at me. And I thought, this might be it, or this might be really bad. And all his friends started laughing and said, She's, or, she got you, ah, ha, ha, like that. And then I thought, this is, he's lost status, so he's going to have to get his status back. So he's going to now have to do something much worse. 
but he started laughing as well. And then right. they said to me, you're all right. And went like that. I... <laughs> and then I got off and fainted. <laughs> I almost wish I hadn't spat on you now. You're, you're an okay... No, but I won't. You have to... The thing is, it's like if you're... I mean, I've been attacked quite a lot in my life from, like... I have been, but it's like, say, it's like I'm from Gloucester. If you felt... I've got a massive lump here where I was bottled in Gloucester. Well, it's just not a big deal, really. Anyway, um, I always think that you make decisions, don't you? Split second, like every scenario is different and you have to just do what you think is right at that time. And sometimes facing up to it is the right thing and sometimes it isn't the right thing. But now with children, I do... If there's something that I don't need to get involved in, yeah. I won't get involved in it. But I find it hard to not... I find it hard to... But that, that's almost like... I mean, it's slightly self-destructive, but it's like a comedic instinct of doing the thing you're not meant to do. And that's a, as a comedian, there's, there's an element of that, aren't you? Say, you act in a way that other people wouldn't act. That's how comedy works, I suppose, is that you are yeah. thinking thoughts <laughs> that hopefully the audience wouldn't immediately leap to. Otherwise, well, some, it doesn't work for all comedians. Uh, <laughs> some comedians' job is to tell the audience the things that they might, might have that forgotten, they might but, want, yeah. but, they, but they haven't actually forgotten. <laughs> That's, that's quite a successful What is comedy, comedy, Rich? <laughs> There's all sorts of different types. It's all different. There is different ones. The, the easiest one is just reminding people of things they think they've forgotten but haven't forgotten. That is the, I'm very good at reminding people things of things they, that they have forgotten. That that doesn't work as well. Yeah. Because they don't remember it because they've forgotten I it. I forget things yeah. as well. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, what's great about the book uh, the starting one, there's lots of great things it is genuinely I think people everyone has to read this book it's just <laughs> it's fantastic because oh, when I think when it's nice. just be, well for lots of reasons I think this is a, it, it is a personal journey as well as being you know about anti-sex I mean it's I think the starting point of it the way you've started and the, and the epiphany and the road to Damascus element that you've chosen to claim as the the change in your in your fortunes in your career or, or understanding who you are as a comedian is a man farting in a feminist yeah like that wasn't show. like obviously it'd been a lot of things had happened before yeah. the, the fart that was yeah. just the thing that was like that made that was also funny none of the other things were funny no but this was a thing that all that made me angry and amused me <laughs> <laughs> so a man in a bookshop it? had pretended he didn't have any feminist books Oh, it was really weird. I mean, you know, I've talked about this fart at length now, so at some point I will have to move on from it. But in case, I think it's important in terms of it is important. Yeah, well, there was a and understanding who you are. Yeah, well, there was a (laughs) (laughs) there was a particular day. Yeah, where three things had already happened on that day, and they were all involving women, and they were all, you know, quite depressing things. And then, and then in the afternoon, I wanted to buy these three books. And I went to Waterstones. Yeah. But I went to a bookshop. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They won't be watching. And uh, so the guy was really obstructive. Like everything. Like he was immediately uh, unhelpful and annoyed that I was that that I was there. Or it just didn't. Probably just didn't want to do his job. Probably like that with everybody. But it was sort of one of those. Do you ever sometimes in life? You know, if you're speaking to, I don't know, the gas board or your your phone people, is you think that if you weren't a writer, you would sort of just not 
just want to leave society. Like, <laughs> yeah. there are things that are so frustrating and confusing and needn't be to do with the admin of life. That you say that, in your book, I've p- picked it out, that I love this thing, that if, you know, the, the deferred creative revenge on tedious admin of life is what, you know, how, how people who don't have that... I don't know how they How they survive. <laughs> it's um, it's um, Michael Douglas in that film, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, I was, I was dealing with this man thinking, well, I obviously have to do something, write something about this. But yeah, it was like everything's... No, I've never heard of Virginia Woolf. Like he couldn't spell anything and then he hadn't heard of Virginia Woolf. And then he said that he didn't have a book which was in a massive display in the window. Like... <laughs> I was like, but you've got... I'll just go and get one from the window. He's like, no, don't do that, because you'll knock all the cardboard over and stuff like that. And I said, well, I'll go and have a look myself. Is there a, you know, a, a, a gender studies section, or I don't know, whatever you call it, keeps changing its name, that, that section. <laughs> now it's called the women shit section. Anyway. Um, and he sent me off upstairs, and I got upstairs, and it wasn't upstairs. And the girl said, "No, it's downstairs in the corner by the opposite the toilet." And as I was on my way downstairs, yes, it literally is that, wasn't it? On my on my way downstairs, he was in the women's study section, and he saw me, and I looked at him, and I was like, "You've sent me up here. Why have you sent me here?" And when I got there, it really fucking stank, and I was like, "Oh yeah." And he saw me, and then he sort of walked off. So that was really weird. He sort of went, he sort of saw me and went, and like walked off really quickly. And I thought, right. So it was him, because there's nobody else. So he did that fart. So that means that either that's what he thinks of feminism, or he didn't even know he was in the (laughs) Wimsdale, which is probably even worse or he thought where is the least populated area of the bookshop where can I go to do all of my days farts without fear of any feminists or, or anyone turning up uh, I'll do it there and then I turned up and um, <laughs> got um, well three Edinburgh shows two, <laughs> two BBC Radio 4 series and a book out of it so I suppose I should thank him really maybe but, um, Maybe he's an angel sent from heaven to, farting to fart and make you... Because you've got the weeping angels, haven't you? Maybe he's <laughs> yeah. the, the farting angel. If that fart was meant to make you think <laughs> and make you angry. But it was, yeah, I was there and I was genuinely cross and angry and confused as well. And, but also, you know, farts are funny. <laughs> so then that was in 2012 and I did that show where I'd leave a man standing on stage... And I'd mocked up this sort of bookshop thing and I'd get a man from the audience and he would have to stand there and I played in three farts on a loop and they were, they were proper, they did sound like, you know, sometimes sound effects don't sound, they did sound like farts. So everyone would leave the end of the show in silence to this man and with just the three sound cues. And it was quite funny in big rooms because if like a few hundred people had to get out, like in silence... He'd have to stand there for about 10, 10, 15 minutes. And they'd always stand there, really. They'd never go, oh, can I go yet? They'd always stand there really, yeah. really politely. And, um, yeah, so that was the fart. But then I thought, I wonder if I could write about other things. Yeah. 
starting from the... But, it's, but again, but, I think it's the interesting journey, because you were doing But these... nothing was... I say I thought, oh, that fart was funny, but it was kind of about feminism as well and stuff like that. But it wasn't... I wasn't trying to write a show that I thought would do well, if you know what I mean. I, no, I had yeah. nothing to lose at that point. Like, nobody was coming anyway. No, no I know. Really... But that's, I think that's sort of what's... I mean, it is interesting, like, from a comedic point of view, A, that you were very prop-based and costume based which I you know I love but you know as a comedian it gets yeah. annoying especially if you have it was to hard to tour yeah if you have well. to go anywhere yeah just you know, any of those accoutrements but also it's a slight you're slightly hiding but mm. you're you're a character like the great fire of London and <coughs> you know Samuel but you just did crazy <laughs> characters and they were brilliant I love those early shows <laughs> and you're slightly down on them in the book but I think they were great uh, and I really love the Daily, Daily Mail show, which was a different thing altogether. Yeah, that was well. a different thing. Yeah. Um, but but I think like that realizing that you didn't necessarily need all the costumes. I mean, you want the radio, and you couldn't use the costumes. Couldn't, yeah. So that getting rid of that, and then becoming sort of yourself, and finding the thing that you know, even though it was coming from it, it, just like the Great Fire of London, talking to everyone, this <laughs> thing, this thing had come from you, and was your very personal thing. I, I don't know. It's sort of you do sort of talk about this, but I mean, I think. It's about the. I think it's the realization, which is very true, that sexism is just inherently ridiculous. But yeah, it's then, absurd. I mean, if just... you thought about it for a second. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yeah. You would just and sexist people are very, you know, so it's the same, in similar eyes, sort of fact. I mean, other people have realised these things. And I think we all know, you know, most people would know that sexism is ridiculous. But I think when you realise as a comedian how ridiculous it is, then this whole world opens up because you don't, it's not about making feminism funny or not funny, because uh, feminism in a lot of ways is quite a serious subject. But to realise that the, the key to it, I think, is, is to mock. Yeah. sexism which sort of does its own job but if you find the right the right way of doing it you know what I mean and that, yeah. was, that was sort of the key but to... subject matter doesn't make something funny no. I mean you could and I will ap- apply the same stuff uh, to two other things as I did with feminism so if I wanted to talk about you know I don't know toasters or something yeah 
you would think that people wanted to see the way that I did something rather than they were coming to see something because they were interested in the subject matter. Of course, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but I think so, just that... I mean, it, it, that, the, the, the minute you sort of found that, that avenue and the way to do it, I just think, you know, it, it, it sort of transformed what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, and, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting because it's just... You sort of... I don't know... I, it's kind of hard to put into words because, you know, I'm a man. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's allowing those people to... Mock I always try to come up with a great... Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to be a modern artist, really. And I like to mm. come up with modern art things. And one of the ideas I have, but a sort of similar thing, is to now just do very fine portraits of everyone who is a um, global warming denier and, and build a lovely gallery and put... The, and put and own yeah. it for a thousand years and have those portraits up there and put global warming deniers above it uh, and they, they would love it because they get a picture of themselves but then if in a hundred years time things, you know, the, the world's underwater that's artistically that becomes a different gallery it doesn't yeah so I mean, you could be... do the same with people on Twitter who, <laughs> who attack women for wanting to have one woman on a pound note or something? It's you know th- those people, the, the 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 sexist attitude of someone. I mean, saying but, women aren't funny. You kind of when a ma- when a man says that, I kind of think, do you know any women? That's the good. Have you ever met a woman? <laughs> because how have you lived your life and not found one funny woman? <laughs> that sort of suggests to me that you have never managed to successfully talk to a woman. I know, but when you talk about... The, I mean, I refuse to talk about this now, but yeah, yeah. I will because it's you. <laughs> but um, it's, it's like you're saying, you know, sexism is, is, is absurd, you know, racism is absurd, transphobia is absurd. All these things are, are absurd. They don't bear up to, you know, if you... It's very hard to argue against if you if you try and have an argument against uh, someone who says of feminism. It's basically you're trying to argue against logic, fact, reason, yeah. and common sense. So it's really hard for people to win an argument like that, and and they just sort of tie themselves up and not. It's really funny. I had one actually where <laughs> this guy, it's a nice nice guy, but he said, oh. You know, I know it's not you and everything, but you know, I've moved and we've moved to quite a small place. And there's a, you know, the guys go out on a Thursday, but you know, it's like a like a curry night on a Thursday, and you know, for the guys in the village. But um, you know, because of feminism, like I can't. Well, you know, my wife wants to go because because we've just moved there, and so she doesn't want me, you know, to go out on a Thursday, and so she wants to come, and so. Because of feminism, I can't go out on a Thursday. I'm like, <laughs> you're fucking joking. It's like, he's like, yeah, you know, so that's what it's done, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, I don't really, really quite know where to start. But yeah, it, it's, um, p- p- people are just sort of threatened, I think, by it's not that they haven't really thought it through. If somebody says women aren't funny, they don't mean that women aren't funny. What they mean is, um, it's an affront for a woman to stand up in a room of people and to think that they... Because it's a high-status thing to do. I mean, Mary Beard's brilliant about this. She said that she puts it in a historical context. So rather than it being misogyny, she says we're just not used to seeing people, women speaking in public. And it's not just female comedians, it's politicians or mm-hmm. whoever. Where they're like, they're still an anomaly it's like they're a kind of freak of nature or a, 
Yeah. They pose some kind of threat. It's like, who do you think you are to stand up there with your <laughs> words that we invented? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's probably one of us, actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, think, I just, I mean, I think by by coming, to, it's a very hard subject to get through to people and I think like with feminism the you know the, the, the knee jerk reaction is guys going oh feminists doing this and that and sport. and so that, that's I think comedy as with a lot of subjects is a great way to, to open that up I, did you not because it's, it, it means that if people are laughing at something A and it's ridiculous A if you believe that you have to go oh people are laughing at me and I'm being ridiculous uh, but also it's just less you know, it's more inclusive, I think. I think this is why fascism didn't want people taking the piss out of fascism, why Hitler didn't want people taking the piss out of fascism, because the minute you laugh at it, it kind of crumbles. Yeah, well, actually, um, Leila Hussain, who's uh, 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 worked with a lot, she's an amazing, uh, just the most incredible person I've ever met in my life, really, but she's, she's an FGM survivor, campaigner and activist, and she said an absolutely amazing thing to me. Uh, we made a short film about... Um, FGM and she said um, you know the reason that she mocks FGM and its ideologies and the people who think that it's a good thing is because when you mock something you lower its status and she says you know it's a really important distinction to make that you obviously no subject she said should be off limits like at all Hmm. and um, you know uh, uh, by mocking something you make it less important so you're saying I don't recognise something that you think is really great and I'm going to mock you for it. And we should have that as a basic right that we should be able to do. Mm. But, you know, I mean, if you're... I mean, we have nothing to lose, do we? We live in a democracy, we can say what we like. Yeah. You know, but lots of... There's lots of prisoners of conscience around the world who can't say what they like. Rafe Badawi has been lashed lashed in, you know, for saying things that he wants. So they've got a lot more to lose than we have. I think it kind of... I think we're in this really weird um, period where this kind of... We're in this kind of post-feminism and post-racism era where there's a lot of people, including UKIP, who think that there isn't kind of racism or sexism or misogyny anymore. Mm. And so why are you still... But Like, he's always saying that we don't need the 1968 Race Relations Act and that it's fine for people. It's just banter, like racist jokes, misogynist jokes. It is, and the sort of the right of hijacked freedom of speech. And they're kind of saying, well, I've got a right to be, to say these things. But I think it's kind of like a waste. But also you can't... Because someone doesn't agree with you, that doesn't mean to say that they don't have their right as well. Because, mm. like, it's, a, it's everybody has it. But I think Voltaire is probably now regretting saying, you know, his famous quote, everything that Katie Hopkins says appalls me and disgusts me, but I would die for her right to be able to say it. I think he's, think he's regretting saying that now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's just how you do things. I think we have an obligation yeah. as comedians yeah, I, well, to, I do, to but I do. not split communities and spread... How, I, mean, I mean, I don't know, comedians can say... There's this idea, isn't it, that the left has got it all sewn up, comedy sewn up. It's an absolute, complete nonsense myth. Yeah. And it's not, if you... I mean, also, I think sometimes people think that, oh, she's, you know, fucking, God, yeah, preaching to the converted, like, I really am not. (laughs) It's like, I die a lot. And a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I think there's this idea that I'm sort of going around all these... (laughs) 
feminist lectures going, look at this pen. Like, it's not... (laughs) It really does not... It's, you know... No, I know, I know. And also, but I, I sort of think with these subjects, it's like on Twitter, some the, the, the you know the, the sort of shaming. If you read Ben Goldacre's, Goldacre's book, but like the, that sort of shaming culture, and it seems to be sometimes people are more interested in kind of appealing to their friends and getting their approval of their friends than actually trying to win an argument or to try and well, not to win an argument. You know, with feminism, it's, it's about trying to make everyone see that, that obvious, everyone being equal is a good thing. It seems what odd that it's, that it's difficult to get that message through. But sometimes, you know, they're kind of... It can be just about who's the best at being a feminist, can't it? No. Yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, don't I, you think so? Don't you think sometimes... It, I just feel with some people, like on Twitter, sometimes it's... Well, and I'm I am a feminist on, and they annoy s- me, so it's, you know, it's... That's what, that's what I'm, I'm... Well, talking. I'm not on social media. No, I find you- it... You know, it's... Um, I know that it can be really brilliant, uh, especially in countries that don't have, you know, uh, democracies, but um, I think that... Um, it constricts people. I think it holds people back, basically. I'm not on social media, and so I might say, I'll like, write a show or say something or a piece of material, and I'm not affected by what happens when it gets out there. Yeah. And I think that if I was, I would be constantly self-editing all the time, and I don't think, as a writer, you should be like that. Um, but, I, but I've... It's a very intimidating place. I think. It, I think it. It does shock. I mean, a lot of friends of mine have, you know, been really intimidated and have ha- oh, have okay, to yeah. uh, move out from where they're living, and it's had a really incredibly negative uh, f- impact on them. Um, but I don't get involved. It's not that I don't want to interact or communicate with people. I mean, I do. Thanks for coming. But um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that. Um, I think you have to do what you want to do. And let whatever happen, you know, don't get bogged down in how it's going to be received and what people are going to think about it. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. A long, long time. I mean, in stand-up, that only really happened to me in 2013. Sort of liberated myself from the need to be liked or popular because I wasn't anyway, so I had nothing to lose. And writing the book, I I was kind of paralysed with fear about it because a book is like a thing. Like, that exists now in the way that a bad gig is gone, like it's a moment in time. It's between me and the audience and that's over now. But a book is something that is on your shelf. And I actually had a moment where I thought, right, if it's shit, I can't burn them all. <laughs> and so I kind of lost my nerve for a long time and then I had to write it really fast, yeah, like in three months. <laughs> well, it's kind of... Then, it's sort of because it's really topical. Like if you read it now... But that's because it's it, like it's like. Did you write this last week? And it's like yeah, it's literally it's like, right up against yeah. the yeah. I didn't think I was yeah yeah. It was because um, I I was worried about many different things. I was worried. I I mean, I th- th- there's been some brilliant women that I've met in the last few years, activists and campaigners, and really fantastic women. I felt a kind of responsibility to them. I felt a responsibility to comedy and. Um, I sort of, I didn't know what it was. I, it took me a long time to find out who I was in the book. Like, why does this book exist? There's loads of brilliant books about feminism that people can go and read. I need to do something different with this. But once I thought that, once I realised that it had to be about how I wrote stand-up about feminism, then that was, it, 
it could be judged on its own terms because that book wasn't out there. Like there yeah. wasn't a, there wasn't a book written by a stand-up that was about how they wrote about feminism. No. So then it was quite then it was much easier for me. Yeah. Then I stopped worrying about you know what. Julie Birchall might say about it, or Julie Bindle, or Suzanne. But you know the people that I, yeah, yeah. or people that I, you know. But then you know it does all the things that those those books would want to do. But it's well, also, I don't know. Well, I, I think mean, it, I think it does, and it's but it's also really funny. So I think that that's what I just I just think you're reading that and you're entertained. Well, I just tried to make it as funny as I could. Yeah. Right, and and any, anything else that's in it is kind of a sort of a bonus. But I thought that if you know. You want people to keep turning the page over. You want them to read it quite quickly. Not, oh, God, for money on page 10. So I just thought I'd try to make it as funny as possible. Yeah. And then, um, and then it would be judged as a humour book, <laughs> not as, you know, yeah. anything more serious than that. Yeah, but, you know, humour's important as well, so it is. Yeah, I, it, you know, it but is. It's, but... I mean, I think it's, it's sort of... That's what I just... I think just, you know, people would, people would read that book who wouldn't necessarily see themselves as feminists or wouldn't necessarily or might see themselves as anti-feminists and might come away from it I don't think they'll read it because on the back it says <laughs> if you're interested in comedy and feminism this is the book for you <laughs> if you hate both then I'd probably give it a miss <laughs> but if you only so hate one of them read if you like comedy and you hate feminists this is still the book for you and you might or if you, you might hate come... comedians uh, yeah. and love feminism that could, that, that could also work <laughs> so, um, uh, right. <clears throat> you got webbed feet. That's a, that, you do talk about it a bit, but that's an amazing. That's an amazing. You could do a whole show about that. Well, it's not my whole foot. Wow, it's even the, a bit of the, a foot um, is incredible. That's like a. It's duck a family thing. We've all got them. Most of us have got them. Are they? Yeah, it's a genetic. When my children were born. It's the first thing I looked at. Um, yeah, it's the second and third toes on the right foot. Right. There's lots of us. It's my brother, two sisters, my mum and my dad. No, there's my nieces. Yeah, it's like a thing. It's fine, though. You don't need to go on about it. I want to go on about it. It's like a superpower. <laughs> yeah, if it's you quite, have quite... to get through a very tiny bit of water <laughs> slightly quicker than someone else. I've got not small s- hands, so, you know, I know what it's like. I've got very... I've got, like, a girl's hand. They're hands. not webbed, though. I know, but they're tiny, so I know what it's... And that is a superpower. Does that make I'm... you swim less quicker, then? No. I do an awful routine that I'm... <laughs> that I'm having to resurrect from my shows about how I use it to um, I, I lure paedophiles into a room and then I'm hiding behind the curtain <laughs> and then I wank off the paedophiles putting on a little girl's voice and they think mm. they've been wanked off by a seven year old girl because of their hands but they're very hairy though. well that's alright I can shave uh, <laughs> and then but the joke's on them because I'm actually a 48 year old man so the joke is they haven't, they haven't done anything the police could come in go it's alright you can get wanked off by a man uh, so and also, I'm stop. I'm keeping those paedophiles out off the streets, am I? So that is, I'm so doing. I think they so do it's a superpower. Like I'm doing something to because that because of what I'm doing. Those paedophiles don't abuse any. What are you doing to stop paedophilia? Nothing. Well, so like, uh, I'm literally stopping I it. I can't really wank with two weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying not. it has to be wank base. I don't normally say things like that. You've made me. <laughs> Quite, it's interesting, isn't it? That you got wet. And you were in a motorbike gang. I was, yes. That's interesting. Is it? You've lived an amazing life. 
Oh, like you left school at 15, 14 or 15. Well... Which is something that happens in, like, the 1930s. Well, I didn't think it... And <laughs> how old are you? It, it didn't and, sort of have... Well, OK, so my birthday is in August, yeah. so I kind of left full-time when I was... Full, I went back intermittently. I think I went back for a couple of exams, but I wasn't really there in the fifth year. It was in the fifth year back then. That was the last year of 1987, I think, right. or 85... The last year they did CSEs, then the year after was GCSEs. Yeah, no, yeah, I did leave. I I did did not um, think that it had anything for me, really. And and I I just hated it. It was the worst. If someone had said to me, just try and get through this, then the rest will be fine. I think, but I think, but I, think I, re- I mean, I really, really hated school, everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, and just wanted to leave as quickly as possible. I knew that it wouldn't really, I wasn't really, <laughs> I mean, I can read and write, so that's good. Okay. But I didn't think that anything else, yeah, just sort but, of. Yeah, but it's, fa- it's fascinating. Think, think that it's, but then you're in a motorcycle gang, that's kind of unusual. Then you're a... Yeah, but I wasn't like breaking the law, I was just, you know, I was just in a, but, I mean, I did know the local Hells Angels. <laughs> and I did go on holiday with them. But um, <laughs> I did, to the Isle of Man. Well, it wasn't like a holiday. It was the TT races. But, um, yeah, we all went off. I was, quite, I was quite young, but I was very mature. In fact, they were all about sort of 30. And I was about 16, 17, I think. But they all really trust... Like, I was the most sensible person. <laughs> I think this is in the... I think I've put this in, actually. There was a... When we got there, right... Uh, they said, Oldbridge, you're really sensible. You, this is the only key to the house, right? Do you, if you remember this bit? <laughs> so you, we're going out now for something to eat, so put the key in a really safe place, all right? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hid it in my suitcase under my bed, and then we all went out. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and then um, <laughs> at about 11, they said, oh, you know... Bridget's got the key. I was like, I haven't got the key. The key's in a, hidden in my room. They were like, sorry? I said, oh, the, the key, the only key to the house. I said, well, you didn't, you didn't tell me to like, put it on my person. You just told me to put it in a safe place. Yeah, anyway, so... Um, and I rode my bike to France when yeah. I was 17 through the Swiss Alps. I was stuck in Wales in a blizzard. See, you think it's interesting, but nobody else I does. I do. It's fascinating. It's sort of, but then I, but I think that I also think that with comedians, like a lot of comedians, especially now, live quite a bo- have had quite a boring life of going to university and then becoming comedians, oh, do including you think myself. So? Yeah. Well, I think a, a bit. But unlike in the old days when I first started doing comedy. <laughs> You would meet people who, you know, come off the docks and come from, the, you know, loads and but loads I of different jobs. I think comedy jobs. suffers for that, from, from not having a diverse... Yeah, well, it needs that. So yeah. that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of, nowadays, it's less, it happens less. Yeah, that you would be, you know, you'd go away to, like, a festival or something, uh, with something, and you'd be, there'd be a guy in his 50s and there'd be guys in their 20s and some of them yeah. been accountants and some of them had been, you know built railways and some of them had been mentally ill and some of them had been circus performers. And um, Edinburgh's different as well. Yeah. I mean, even when I first started going 10 years ago, there would be really eccentric people who lived on 
boats for the rest of it, the, and then they'd come up and. Yeah. But you're, th- you're seeing them less and less now. Well, yeah, or they're kind of, of hidden of away everything. in weird places, yeah. Yeah, and London is really unbelievably expensive, so that's pricing out a lot of people. I mean, my equivalent, me now, uh, would not be able to come here and get a day job and live in a bed sit and do stand up at night. I just, I just wouldn't be able to no. afford I wouldn't have been able to go to drama school without uh, maintenance grant, scholarship. Luck, all of that, all that's being stripped away now. Osborne's just got rid of the maintenance grants for students from uh, uh, low-income families. So, yeah, I mean, everything's going to suffer. The arts is going to suffer, but, you know, <laughs> society's going to suffer. There's no joke, sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about cops again. No, but, um, yeah, it is. The, the, it's um, it's going to be a real loss, I yeah. think. Everything's going to be... Yeah, but I, th- I sort of think with comedians, not all of them, because, you know... Some of them, like me, just go to Oxford University and then come out and have a charmed life. Uh, but of just endless success. Uh, but uh, but you know, it's, it, I think that's to have lived a life and done those things. So you know, to know yourself so well that you can go and you know, or even just rebel in that, even if it's a slight. It's it's kind of fascinating to me that you would do that so young. You'd leave school young while still obviously being academically bright. But you still I wasn't to, academically. But you are. But bright. you are though. I mean, that doesn't. It, none of that's. It's not like it, what exams you get. You're yeah. clearly a bright person. But that's in. Well, that's in. That's maybe socially and intellectually. But I, I mean, academically, I'm. I was not. I really struggled. Yeah. Like I. I couldn't. I would just shut down. With anything to do with. I mean, I. I didn't even do maths. Like I was in. Remedial, you know, sort of right. arithmetic. Just couldn't really get my head around information and facts about any subject at all, really. <laughs> no, but unless I was really interested in it, which I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but um, but then, like, getting a job in a newspaper at 15 and, you know, not liking it but going away and then yeah, getting, I just getting jobs at the Daily Mail, you know, you've still managed to get into all those yes, places. Yes, but it's not like I was going into brain surgery. I mean, these are jobs that anyone... You know, I, I mean, I just lied about my qualifications and I thought I would probably be able to do that job anyway. And I could. I mean, I, I wasn't going into hosp- pretending to be a doctor or a dentist or anything. I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, with acting and stand-up, you don't need to be good at anything, do you? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> just to be able to, you know, pretend to be someone else or... <laughs> or an ant. Been, yeah, an ant, to be an ant, which I will bring back a, at some point. A ant. A ant. A ant. Um, good. Well, I mean, we have, got, we're gonna, you're going to have to let you go in a sec, oh, which God. is a shame, because yeah. there's loads to talk about. Um, that's, good, that's a good idea about that global warming guy, didn't I? And I'm going to do a sexist scan. <laughs> I'm going to get... It's going to cost a lot of money to do it, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so, <laughs> it's not as good as my one with all the shoes. That was a good one. The shoes. I thought, I'm going to do it with my daughter. I'm going to keep every pair of shoes my daughter ever wears and then I'm going to make them into an art installation. Well, I'll be dead by the end, but I'll have to leave instructions to, li- to leave an art installation, which is just all the shoes she's had through her life in a row oh. until the last shoe she wears. It's a brilliant piece of art. I'm sure I should be an artist, it's really. Because uh, I haven't talked about Sterling Moss and John Inverdale. That's fucking great. Uh, so, I haven't even asked you one emergency question. Have you ever seen a ghost? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. Why what? don't we talk about? Go- I've lo- had lots of. Ex- well, we had a. Well, my dad says we didn't, but we did have a poltergeist in our house when we were growing up, and uh, lots of things were moved around, and 
uh, I mean, really, actually, quite frightening things happened. Yeah. And um, I saw. Um, uh, I woke up and there was a hand. Well, I mean, it was my dad's hand because it had his wedding ring on it. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't on the end of this hand. I could see him in bed on the other side. So there was lots of us, nine children. So me and my brother, when we were like four or five, we had a bunk bed in my parents' bedroom. Yeah. So I woke up and saw this hand with his wedding ring on, but like just ended at the wrist. I was like, oh, God. Ah! Turned round and um, saw my dad lying down asleep. But then another one of my dad came up out of his body right. and said, oh, don't worry about it or something. And then... <laughs> and lay back down. Right, and then... Um, a horse... <laughs> no, a white horse came through the window with a man on it with all, like, ragged clothes. Mm. I was like, hey, up. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's quite handsome. And... Uh, was going, it's all right, I'll get the hand, I'll get the hand. I went, oh, yeah, if you could, it's down here. And then... <laughs> then this little girl who had been bothering me for a while was at the end of my bed and had pinched my feet. And I was like, oh, not you as well. So I was like, oh, please make the nice man with the ragged shirt on the white horse get rid of the girl and the hand. And then um, they did. <laughs> but my brother... Um, so, this is the freaky thing. Yeah. And this is absolutely true. I'm honestly this is true. I never told anybody about that. And that was when I was 4. And then about 7 years ago, we were all it's a very b- big part of Irish culture is to tell ghost stories to sit around telling really scary ghost stories. And my brother went first and he said, "Oh, I had one. Do you remember we had bunk beds in our in mum and dad's bedroom?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, what did you see?" And he was like, "Well, I remember waking up, well, sort of thinking, I've got to get rid of the hand. (laughs) And um, he thought he got rid of the hand that was on my... It was you and the man on the horse and the... And the the girl girl. and dad, it was all of them. (laughs) It was like multiple, it was like teamwork. Do you think... lots of other things as well. You might have been asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> that is just one. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think they were ghosts. <laughs> I just think I was, you know, a weird child. <laughs> no, but I've, lots of other things as well have happened. Quite God, often. Tell no, because you, because you're, you can't see what he's doing. He's going like this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope a ghost scares you so. Well. When I, was, when I was in Amsterdam, yeah, what uh, and I really don't believe in ghosts, uh, what but I, uh, I was snoring, so there was two rooms in this flat, it was a massive flat that we'd been put in, but up these creepy stairs. Oh, I'll tell you um, another one as well before okay. I go, yeah. And I, I've been, I went and slept in this attic room, and then I, then I could hear this weird noise coming from the kitchen below, and there was a window, and I looked down, I couldn't see anything, it was this... I was looking at what's going on, mm. and then I went down the stairs, and it stopped, and I thought, I made it to the window, and I shut the window, and I came back upstairs, went to the bedroom... Came downstairs, stopped, nothing happening. Um, went back upstairs. And I really thought there's definitely a ghost now. I'm really sure there's a ghost. And we'd also, earlier in the day, a man had rung the doorbell, said, I'm ma- maintenance, it's flat maintenance. And then he'd, he'd rung the doorbell and I'd buzzed him in. And then he hadn't appeared in, and come up to the, the stairs. And, uh, and then when we got back to the flat later, our, just our front door was wide open. 
And we definitely locked it. And, and someone had come in and done some stuff. The blinds were up and stuff. But nothing, the, the man nothing was missing. I presume the maintenance guy had gone into another flat and then come into this flat and then pulled the door and not pulled it shut. Or he was a ghost. So I was already a bit freaked out by the fact that there might be a man. I was more worried about there being a man hiding in my flat waiting yeah, to kill yeah, me yeah, yeah. Uh, than a ghost. And then I went, I went and sat in the kitchen for ages and the noise didn't happen. Then I went upstairs and the minute I was upstairs, the noise started again. And so I was, and then I went to sleep, and then I woke up, and the noise was happening again. I thought, "This is really." And it was, couldn't work out what it was. And then, then the next day, I went down in the kitchen later on. We had a pack of crisps on the counter, and um, there was a hole in the crisp packet that had been gnawed in by some rodent of some kind, I imagine, or a ghost. And we don't know, do we? So it's. But then, how does a mouse know what's in a pack of crisps? Like it, it was a closed pack of crisps. A mouse doesn't go, oh, I'll take a chance, I'll gnaw through that stuff for five hours in the hope there's some delicious crisps inside. That a mouse doesn't do that. So I think it was probably at least, at the very least, a ghost of a mouse who had, was able to see the contents with some kind of X-ray vision. Or just a ghost, because who says ghosts? They don't, they, it's hard, isn't it, for them to open stuff. We were talking about Patrick Swayze backstage. He couldn't always... He couldn't always manipulate stuff unless he was really angry. So that ghost had to gnaw that. It seems like uh, if you're a ghost... It's not as good as your story, I'm telling you, but at least no, it happened uh, this weekend, so I was a bit scared of the ghost. I don't think, yeah, a ghost would go to... I think they've got other things. What, to, like appearing to a small girl going, oh, it's your dad's hand. <laughs> um, Ooh, I'm the ghost of your dad's hand. <laughs> it didn't say anything. It was just... <laughs> It didn't have a sock on it, going like that. <laughs> Why would a ghost waste its time bothering you? Yeah, no, it wasn't a ghost. What it was, was just... it? Don't know. My brain just saw a hand. <laughs> so, go and watch your other think. one. Oh, I did a gig in Taunton, oh, and I went back to the bed and B and B, and it was a really weird B and B, and it had all like wooden devils everywhere on the stairs and stuff. <laughs> anyway. So they put me in this one room and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't think I can be in this room. And she said, oh, yes, everyone says that, come on then. So she... (laughs) Like as quickly as that. So she put me into another room and that was much better and I sat down, I I tell Tony Lawn this story and he said, you need to talk about that, but um, no one ever laughed. Anyway, so I, I sat down on the bed and right behind me, like literally right behind my head... I heard this. Oh. (laughs) I absolutely, like, it was, I thought, was this ghost at my gig? And now it's like, now it's like, oh, God, I've just listened to you for two hours. And now you've come back to my room. (laughs) And it was so loud, and it was so loud as well. It wasn't just like a, like a distant noise. It was sort of right behind my head. So I had to put all the lights and the telly on all night and everything. And then in the morning, I had to walk past all these... Devil's heads. Devil's That's heads an odd choice for a bed and breakfast. I didn't, bu- I didn't book... I mean, no, I know, for that, for the people who run it. Yeah, family run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah family run. There were lots of um, other well, unexplained... They're just, uh, it's, just, it's, it's just science, isn't it? It's not... I'm not sure it is any, much... But it was really so- loud... 
Yeah. And it was a man's voice, and it did exactly that, right behind my head. <laughs> Are you sure? And I wasn't, wasn't thinking about people sighing <laughs> or grunting. So it's not like I. Wasn't it just someone having sex in the next room and the walls? No, it was right behind oh. my head. There was no one else in the B and B. She told me, but it was right behind my head. Might have been that actual devil. That might be where... Because if I was the devil, I would live in a bed and breakfast with loads of carved <laughs> effigies of me. I just, the, I just imagine that's the kind of guy the devil is. Going around Do you think sighing. So? Yeah, sitting around and then, yeah, this, that's me. <laughs> sighing at female comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a low, it's a light for the devil. It's a light, a light thing for him to do out of all the things he could choose to do. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll never know. We no. We'll never know the no. answer. I'm going to have to let you go. I'm really sad to say this because I'd like to make you stay forever. Oh, uh, thanks. But, uh, and, uh, yes, what, have you got any um, well, they, 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 interesting stuff there's later? There's loads of stuff. <laughs> no, we've got enough. They've got, we've got, that's, they've we've got, got the mugging there. and the, um, the ghost thing. We've got lots of good stuff. We've got, you know, it's a really good book. They should buy the book. Thanks, Rich. It's really... Sometimes, you know, I've had guests that have written a book and I read the first pet chapter and it's rubbish. Who was that? <laughs> no, I'm, we should now go 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 through all the <laughs> episodes. No, that was hard work. Uh, not really. Oh, well, you yeah. pluralise penis as penis. Yeah, because the um, the um, copy editor is yeah. the woman who goes through the book. Yeah, and she said, um, "This is not. It's penises normally. Yeah, uh, so correct. a lot of people won't know She's what correct. that is." I'm an expert on the penis. Yeah, no, but I prefer... Penis. Yeah. Okay. Just looks like I'm a pastor. Just looks funnier. Looks like a pastor. Why can't I use a word that's not used very often? And also, you use the word ass instead of arse, which I'm... They wanted to change that that as well. That is the most offensive thing I've ever seen. No, they wanted to change it. They said it's not... uh, There's a lot of things in the book, actually, that are like that. Yeah. They're like, it's arse. It's not arse. Well, it might be for you. Who are you? I'm the... (laughs) I'm the world's expert on penises, and that sometimes incorporates and asses. asses. <laughs> no. See, I don't like... I think ass yeah. is a much funnier word to say in a Gloucester accent I think right. than arse. Arse is like... The say them of, both in a uh, Gloucester no, accent. Like say, wor- them both, say them both, and we'll see which gets the bigger laugh. And then that will be this, right. this decision. Don't okay. make one funnier than the other one. <laughs> what is funnier? Yeah. Came out of an unhelpful man's ass. Not that funny. No, because you've there. Because <laughs> they're your lot, right? And they'll do whatever they you won't. say. They don't like me. They're, they they're don't like your... me. They come. They don't like me. They want. No, to, they want to see me defeated. No, no. They hate me. They won't no, ever tell their friends they're, they're about my lot. stuff. <laughs> they just want to come and enjoy it for themselves, and they won't come see any of my all my shows I'm doing. And I'll be sitting there, they'll be like, the, the same ones always sitting there going, yep, just us again. <laughs> just us 50 people. We're going to keep you going, so you have to keep doing comedy. You're earning enough money to keep going, but you will never be successful. <laughs> and you'll have to keep doing this till you die. That's why that's... You are, look at all the products you've got. <laughs> no. Merchandise. Oh, no, it's useless. Language, you know, we can do whatever we like with it. I know you it, can. You know? I'm just surprised. I would have thought you'd be I hate arse. that word. Oh, I, I really, I actually really hate it. Okay, so I'm when sorry. They said, when they said to me, I think you've made a mistake, I was really angry. I was like, what, all the way through the book? <laughs> 
it's apart from that, it's good. Apart but they from were the really, and the arse. really good. The legal report was so. Fun. I wanted to just have a show which was the legal report, and they said that they you can't because it's um, confidential information. Right. So did they make you a, cut some stuff out? because oh. there's quite you get you go it gets close to the bone. You're quite rude about people. And... I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, a little uh, bit rude about. Um, Sterling Moss and no, John, I'm not. John Inverdale. I mean, like they deserve it, but John Inverdale. I don't think I am at all. Okay, not in any way. I mean, it's a bit rude to be glad that Sterling Moss fell into a lift, even though it's. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's. Well, it's he should have died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't let these people get away with saying that we're. <laughs> It's obviously not. Obviously, don't think that, and I make it very clear. I she wish he'd been absolutely, completely annihilated by that. <laughs> no, um, no, I'm not really seriously. I know, but wishing. It's not rude. He sent me an email. He's really pleased that I've said that. Why he, didn't you put the email in the book, or is it in later? It. Um, it's. Are there some sort of legal thing? Is there? Yeah. No. But I did print it out for the show and show people, because he left caps lock on, <laughs> which made the whole thing look like a death threat. <laughs> it did. It was like I, uh, I will be keeping an eye on. I will be following your career in capital letters. It's like fucking hell. He's not. Yeah, he's not much of a threat. He can't even get in a lift without. <laughs> without. It's very <laughs> funny, and the John Inverdale thing is brilliant. You've oh, he said the... another thing, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. What's the, what is the second thing? Because the thing about him accidentally saying cunt in the middle of a sentence that doesn't yes, have cunt in it, it was nowhere it right, near... You're seeing it through rose-cunted glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but the, mis- this, the mistake that he made, this was live on, on the radio, the mistake that he made was by immediately apologising oh, 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 sorry I didn't mean r- 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 I mean I, he should have just gone yes that's what I said <laughs> uh, that's what we're calling it now <laughs> should have really committed to it yes Rose cunted yes what's the big deal <laughs> that's what you should have done never apologise for your mistakes <laughs> well unless they're really bad ones <laughs> Then if they're really bad, don't apologize bother apologising. If they're really bad, don't apologise. No. Because the apology just looks sarcastic. Yeah. If, it's re- if Hitler came and then at the end went, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry I did all that stuff, you would go, that's not... Sorry is not enough at the end of that Adolf Hitler. Depend how he said... No, he wouldn't, though, would he? <laughs> he went, I'm really... I'm really sorry. No, he'd go, oh, I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Being a really sarcastic... With his hand. Anyway, I'm anyway, glad we, we've you... ended on Hitler. Yeah. And rose-cunted glasses. <clears throat> Never apologise for anything. That's what we've ended on, so I will not apologise for anything I've said. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Oh. Give it up. Bridget Christie! Thanks, Thanks, thank you very much. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Left Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Bridget Christie. The music, as always, is played by Pest. They come in live every week to play this. Very nice. Nice for you to do that, guys. Thanks. Got anything to say? Oh, weird. Thanks to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and Chris Evans. Not that one, or that one, or that one. The one from GoFasterStrike.com and his team of crazy misfits, especially George the Soundman, who is looking for work. If you have any sound-based work and you don't expect it to be of high quality... 
do get in touch with me and I will help you get in touch with him. Uh, the producer is Dave Griff. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Go to GoFasterStripe.com, uh, buy a DVD or a book or a badge. Uh, GoFasterStripe.com slash badges if you want to help us carry on doing these things or check out our Kickstarter campaign uh, and help us to film more of these. Uh, this show has been brought to you by all these fantastic people. Matthew Smith, Ewan Duncan, Rob Applin, Darren Foote, Colin Anderson, Raymond Harpney, Kevin Tipcorn, Steve Mash, Dean Ratland, Gaynor Wilson, Adam Queck. Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Icky Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake, Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and... Jen Comfort, Seb Philpot, that's not a real name, Wayne Bolt, Wayne Bolt, Tommy Parker, Rob Swords, this is, these are comedy names, Mark Bowers, David Fowles, James Parkin, Gary Pirry, and Stu Cavani. So thanks to them and everyone else who contributed to last time's Kickstarter campaign. Help us with the next one if you can, kickstarter.com, RHLSTP. Thanks, see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.